This evening, we have been hearing and responding in song to the passion of our Lord Jesus. We have heard of how Jesus was arrested in the garden, abandoned by his dearest friends and followers, rejected by the leaders of the Jews, denied by his most zealous follower, spat upon, beaten, and mocked by the Romans, stripped and shamed by the soldiers, crucified between two robbers, and despised by all who passed by. And while all of this happened, he opened not his mouth. The last time Jesus spoke was when Pilate asked him if he was the king of the Jews in verse 2. When he was reviled, he did not return insult. When he was condemned unjustly, he did not challenge the verdict. When he was beaten, he did not plead for mercy. When he was nailed to the cross, he did not curse the man driving the nails through his hands and his feet. In all of this, he opened not his mouth. But here in verse 34, what we just read, Jesus speaks one last time. He doesn't just speak, he cries out. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's on that cry that I want to spend the next few minutes reflecting. Why was Jesus forsaken? Scripture gives us two answers. First, the son was forsaken because his people should be. Now, the idea of God forsaking anyone, let alone Jesus, is not expected when we read through Scripture. The Lord is a staying God. He is a keeping God. He's the God who guards over his people. He keeps them. He's never sleeping. He never slumbers. He watches for them. He is their shepherd who feeds them. He keeps his covenants for a thousand generations. What would, God, what would cause God to forsake someone? Well, in 2 Chronicles chapter 24, verse 20, we read, because you have forsaken the Lord, he has forsaken you. This is Zechariah, a prophet in Israel, speaking to Israel in their sin, saying, you have forsaken the Lord. To forsake the Lord is to reject him and choose sin. Isaiah chapter 1 explains the charge against Israel. God says, you are my children and I raised you up and yet you do not know me. You are a sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity. And he finishes, finishes this declaring, they have forsaken me. Isaiah is saying, because Israel chose sin over their Lord, they had forsaken him. That's what sin is. It is forsaking. It is rejecting the Lord. And while Isaiah is addressing Israel, Scripture speaks to all of man, all of us, saying that we have exchanged the truth of who God is for a lie. We have forsaken him. We have all 
sinned. And by our sin, by our forsaking of God, we deserve judgment. So look back at Mark chapter 15 and verse 33. We read, And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. Immediately before Jesus cries out, we see the judgment. The darkness, this unimaginable darkness for three hours and complete silence as the reviling stops is the judgment of God delivered upon Jesus. He who knew no sin, who never forsook God, is made sin, forsaken by God. During these three hours, Jesus was stripped naked, but he was clothed with the sin of his people. God laid upon him every sin for every one of his people. He became the the lightning rod, taking all of the wrath, the just punishment that our sins have incurred, whether they were grievous or seemingly inconsequential. Whether they are massive and seen or small and unknown, Jesus took the punishment for every last one. The darkness of God's judgment was surrounding him as the darkness of our sin was laid upon him. And as Jesus takes upon himself the darkness of our sin, the Father turns from him. God is light, and in him there is no darkness. He is holy, and he cannot look upon evil. The Father looks away, and Jesus, not you, is forsaken. He cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As I said at the beginning, this is the first time since the trial that Jesus has spoken. Not through the physical torment, after his body had been beaten by men and crushed by the hand of God, He didn't say a word until finally his heart breaks as the Father turns away. The crucifixion, friends, is Christ atoning for our sins physically and spiritually. He bore our punishments in his very soul for us as his heart felt the forsakenness that we deserve. Jesus, who the Father pronounced over, you are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The one who is united with the Father, who's the exact imprint in the radiance of his glory, is forsaken. He was not simply a man physically tormented, but he was a man spiritually afflicted. He was truly a man of sorrows. And he was so for you and for me. He did it for us. Because we deserve to be forsaken. Jesus was forsaken because his people should be. And Jesus was forsaken so his people never will be. That's the good news, friends. Because all of our sin was laid upon him, because he took the punishment for us, he satisfied the wrath of God. John recounts that he cries out, It is finished. And after Christ had offered himself the one and only single sacrifice for sin, he sat down. The payment was made. The work was complete. He had finished it. 
He was forsaken because we should be, and he was forsaken so we never will be. He made the payment. This is the amazing truth of the gospel. This is the great exchange that Jesus took our sin upon himself so that as we look to the cross and as we place our hope in his death for our own, as we place our hope in his being forsaken, in our stead, we who have forsaken the Father are given the right to be called his children. He takes our judgment and he gives to us forgiveness. He takes our place being forsaken so that we receive the unending embrace of the Father. We are made the treasured possession of God. That which he will never lose. He treasures it. He'll never cast it away. He'll never forget it. It's his treasured possession. Friends, Jesus was forsaken because his people should be. And so his people will never be. That is the good news of Good Friday. Our Savior will never forsake us. While some in this life may, while our hearts may wonder if God will, Christian, look to the cross. All of your sin was laid upon Jesus. He took it all. By his precious blood, you have been ransomed. And so not only will you never be forsaken, you will be forever treasured by God. Jesus tells us, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Peter reminds us, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. And God promises us, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. The son was forsaken because we should be and so that we never will be. So let us trust him and let us praise him. The man of sorrows, the forsaken son who paid our debt and set us free. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, this evening as we have read through the passion of our Savior, we give you thanks that your love is poured out upon the cross. We pray that you would help us to see more clearly and to cherish more deeply our Savior as we look upon the cross where the infinite punishment was due and infinite punishment was endured, where all anguish was laid upon Christ so that we might have all joy, where he was downtrodden as an enemy so that we might become your friend, where he was stripped that we might be clothed, wounded that we might be healed, forsaken that we might be treasured. Father, help us to ponder the love the depth of Christ's love for us this evening as we look to his cross. Pray this in his name. Amen.